You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual, with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How good, are you? Good, Wally. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks so much. Uh, just to give our listeners an idea what's coming on the show today, uh, shortly after the first break, about 9.15-ish, uh, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs and recent inductee into the Hockey Hall of Fame, of course, the legendary Joe Bowen. Um, Looking forward to talking to him. And uh, middle of the hour, a topic that uh, has been front and center in the uh, media across Canada for um, for the last week and a half. It's not it's not a pleasant topic, to be quite frank. Uh, but uh, we're going to be talking about sports hazing today with. Professor Hank Neuer, a world-renowned hazing expert, uh, author, journalist, and professor at Franklin College. And we're going to talk about the scourge that is hazing and uh, where we're at and what can be done about it. So looking forward to talking to Professor Hank Neuer about that very, very, very important topic. Naz, you got the blue and white on today, and you got the Alabama on today. Two uh, wins. The Crimson. Two so wins. You're, you're on a roll this week, Naz. Uh, and the Bills. And the Bills. <laughs> Forgot the cap. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to start off? Uh, which uh, which 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 you, which team Wally? do you want to pay homage you, to? You guide the way here. Okay, so I know we're talking to be talking to Joe Bowen about uh, the Leafs and uh, Notre Dame, and uh, I'm sure the Alabama Crimson Tide will come up in that discussion. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking to him about. Uh, We'll be talking to him about uh, uh, the the Leafs and uh, uh, and, and uh, those <laughs> and those topics. It's Great Cup Sunday, uh, which hasn't registered that much in the Toronto area, from what I can tell. Naz, uh, the Argos last year won a game for the ages. Uh, this year they had a horrible season. To be quite honest with you, to be quite frank. Today it's the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, I know it's supposed to be one of those events that draws our country together. Uh, certainly doesn't seem to have attracted much interest in the Toronto area this time around. No, not at all. There's more interest in the Vanier Cup yesterday than there is in the Grey Cup, and that's not that's not good. It's good for for the Vanier Cup, but not good for for the Argos and Canadian Football League. Uh, certainly, uh, although they do, uh, they do get good television ratings um, um, across the country. Um, it is, in some, in some respects, an important part of our of our sporting history. Not in some respects, and it is a part of our uh, sporting history. There's so many, so many great great cup games. When you know, I wake up great cup Sunday, or you know. Thinking about it yesterday, um, think about all the great great cups that uh, that we watched when you were younger. And there's one particularly that comes to mind uh, because it's Ottawa and Calgary. Uh, of course, I was a big uh, Rough Rider fan when I was when I was younger. Um, I, I, the the, the great cup that stands out for me was the '68 Grey Cup 
It was also Calgary and Ottawa. Uh, and it was at Exhibition Stadium. Um, some great, great players played on that Ottawa team. Russ Jackson, uh, Vic Washington, Margene Atkins. I'm sure you remember all those Whit guys. Tucker. Whit Tucker. You remember Ronnie all those guys? Stewart. Ronnie Stewart. And, uh, I remember them all, Calgary too. Calgary had, uh, had Terry Evanshin and... I can't remember if Pete Lisk or Jerry Keeling was the quarterback on the, on the 68 Pete team. I, and Keeling took over. Keeling was Pete Lisk ended up going to the NFL, if I yeah. recall correctly, the Philadelphia Eagles. And then Keeling. But I think in 68, Lisk was the quarterback. And uh, they had Terry Evanshin, and they had that uh, really tough middle linebacker whose name escapes me right now. But I, there's one play in that game. Um, Calgary was 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 uh, was in the lead and uh, and uh, Jet, Russ Jackson handed the ball off to you. I'm sure you remember this one like it was yesterday. Naz, the, Russ Jackson handed the ball off to Vic Washington. and He dropped it, and the ball fell, and the ball uh, bounced, bounced right, right in. back up into his hands, and uh, and he took off and took off for an 80 yard uh, touchdown. And uh, that, of course, was the old Argo bounce. The Argo bounce with Ottawa. <laughs> uh, so that that one certainly sticks out in memory. In my memory, of course, there's a uh, the other one that uh, sticks out for a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, people in this area is, of course, um, uh, the '71 Grey Cup with uh, with Leon McQuay and Theismann and that group. And of course, there's some you know we've got a lot of listeners in the Hamilton area, and there's so many great memories of Hamilton Grey Cups from the. 60s and some, some of the great players they had, and uh, of course last year's Great Cup. Let's not forget that one. That was uh, that was an entertaining game. It was a great football game. Turned on uh, a magical turnover uh, near the end, and it was the uh, it was the even up game from the 71 Great Cup. This time the Argos got the got the lucky event near the end of that game, and. Uh, it, you know, talking about the Argos, it seems like a shame that uh, you know, there's such a great, 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 great cup that they won last year, and they couldn't take that momentum forward into this year and create create uh, no, he, some new memories this year. It was just, it was just, you know, quite frankly, it was an awful season. I hear Halifax is coming in the league. Something I heard a report the other day that uh, they had the name of the team. I can't recall what it is. Now, I think it's the Schooners. The Schooners. That's the right. Schooners. Yeah, and they're going to be coming in the league, but I'm not sure when. Yeah. So uh, you know what? It's uh, we've been to that that uh, Halifax team has been rumored for fifty years, and it, you know we've always wanted to take the CFL from sea to shining sea to shining sea, from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Uh, certainly, there's been tremendous interest in 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 the university football in in uh, in Atlantic Canada. You know, over the years. Uh, St. Mary's and Dalhousie and uh, some of the other some of the other teams Acadia. Remember mm-hmm. all those great Acadia Western uh, Vanier Cups from the from the, so college football has always been really really uh, popular in Atlantic Canada, and uh, I think the franchise will probably do very well. Yeah, it's about me, time. Yeah, me too. I think it will do well. It's about time. Look forward to it. Anyways, we've got Joe Bowen coming on the coming on the line, and we'll talk some Leafs. So we'll go to break now, and uh, let's talk about uh, last night's great game, Ness. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville decreed everyone can now be Italian, at least for an hour. When you order a Pizzaville office lunch, your staff will enjoy authentic Italian pizza and more from just seven dollars per person. 
That's not much to turn William into Guillermo, Tracy into Teresa, and Stan into... Well, maybe he won't be in that day. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740, downtown Toronto 96.7 FM. And live video streaming, www.video. www.zoomerradio.ca and thanks to a listener who texted me during the break that linebacker in Calgary in the 1960s was Wayne Harris Wayne Harris Uh, we're pleased to welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs and recent inductee into the Hockey Hall of Fame Joe Bowen good morning Joe how are you sir we're good, guys. How are you today? Good. First of all, before we, we're great. Thanks so much for asking, Joe. And before we even get started, once again, congratulations on that tremendous honor. Thoroughly well-deserved. You know how much we love you, Joe, and, uh, and uh, congrats. Well, it was, uh, it was a great honor and uh, very humbling. We had a, a, a whirlwind weekend to uh, celebrate, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun hearing from a lot of people that I Hadn't heard from in many years from schoolmates and uh, teammates that I've played with, so it was a lot of fun. Joe, um, I, you know, I, I got Naz here wearing his Alabama Crimson Tide cap this morning, so you know, you know, I have to take advantage of having some uh, some Irish blood on on the phone. We're going to this. We're going to the college football playoff, Joe. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much. Like. I don't know it how much like. of the. Uh, 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 sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I, I just saying it's uh, they. Uh, they, they took care of business. It's a tough, a tough road to hoe when you've uh, played uh, back and forth uh, across the country a number of times. Um, and uh, the rivalry week with USC is always a very tough, uh, tough win, especially when you're playing out in uh, Southern California. So uh, to get the job done and get business done, they uh, they 
they've got themselves a spot in there, I think, and they, they certainly deserve it. Joe, let's stick with football a bit. What about the <laughs> Packers there? Well, not so much. <laughs> That, well, Joe, you 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 cut it off pr- pretty quick. Uh, we were, we were expecting a, a little comeback there. Uh, the, uh, just on the topic of the Packers, there's uh, the reports and the rumors are uh, they seem to be creating some some division. And you being an owner of the Green Bay Packers, you're certainly your opinion is more important uh, than perhaps uh, us little guys. Uh, they're, they're trying to create some discord. Uh, they're uh, saying that uh, Aaron Rodgers is not being handled properly. Uh, Joe, your, your thoughts on that? Well, I, I mean, he, he's one of the great talents in this league, and for the Packers not to have been uh, challenging for more uh, playoff spots for Super Bowls, I think is probably uh, an issue that's going to have to be uh, addressed. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a coaching change at the end of this year after uh, Mike McCarthy's been there for a number of years, and they, they haven't been able to get over the hump. But there's got to be other people accountable as well. But they've, they've had a number of situations this year where uh, it was, uh, I mean, it had a real odor to it, but running the ball out of the end zone when all he needed was a, a field goal, and you've got uh, Aaron Rodgers at the controls. So uh, I, think, uh, I think there's going to be some very hard soul-searching done after this season, and it would be very surprised if there aren't some dramatic changes. Where, where do the Packers have to recruit, Joe? What area are they weekend? Well, I think they they need a running game of some some sort. But I think I think maybe uh, I think they could they've they've given away a lot of veteran wide receivers, and their defense has really never been as strong since uh, since the Super Bowl year. So I mean, there's lots lots of holes there. That's for sure. Joe, the blue and white. Uh, we're about a quarter of the way into the season. Uh, your midterm report. Great game last night. Uh, got some uh, great first period out of uh, out of Janssen, and uh, we're missing uh, we're missing Matthews and Nylander. Uh Are we where you would have expected us to be? I think they're they're fairly close. Um, I think you know when you when you think that you've lost Nylander, uh and Matthews for the time being. Bozak, Van Riemsdyk, Leo Komarov are not there. And the only addition that they've made is John Tavares. And you're ahead of last year's pace. I think you have to be very happy about it. So uh, I think what they've seen um, from the organization, that there's some depth and that they're going to improve. Uh, We saw some of that last night with Andreas Janssen. Uh, Certainly Kasperi Kapanen has played extraordinarily well. Uh, Garrett Sparks has come up from a uh, Calder Cup winning uh, championship team. Uh, the addition of Ojiganov and others. So I think you have to be very pleased where, where they are, knowing that they can be even better. And uh, once they get Matthews back, which should be probably next week, and uh, we'll see what happens, whether they get another piece or they actually get uh, Nylander back to playing, um, it should help. Uh, and, and the depth will be even deeper, and their fourth line will be even better. So uh, I think I think they have to be very pleased where they are at this particular point, knowing that there is a lot of room for growth and uh, development yet. Joe, I know it's early in the schedule, but it looks like the rivalry is coming back with Toronto and Buffalo. Your comment? <laughs> well, I don't know if there's any rivalry yet. We haven't played them. <laughs> 
obviously the Sabres are, are playing much better, uh, and and it's about time they've they've uh, gone through a, a, a building situation as well. And having said that, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now we we see them here in about a week's time, I guess, uh, for the very first time. And that little shop of horrors down there has always been. Didn't matter who or what kind of teams were involved, there was always some, something strange would happen there. But um, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, plays out this year. But obviously the Buffalo Sabre fans are pretty excited about their turnaround as well. Uh, we're talking to Joe Bowen. Joe, um, Morgan Riley. Um, of course, we're, uh, we tend to be Toronto-centric when you do uh, sports talk radio in this area. So, you know, obviously we see his game uh, and uh, we're thrilled about it. And he gets early uh, Norris uh, Trophy uh, consideration, which, uh, you know, still early. But seems to have taken his game to uh, a different level this year. What are you seeing in his game uh, Joe, that uh, has has taken. It seems he seems he's uh, he's uh, found a different niche uh, with his game. What are you seeing there, Joe? Well, I I think it's just the fact that he's developed and grown, uh, matured, um, gotten stronger, uh, more comfortable with the, what's gone on with Mike Babcock's system. Um, early on, the power play was working real well and with, when Matthews was there and they were piling up a lot of points there. But Morgan Riley's got a great skill set and a great ability to skate. Uh, he's a very mobile defenseman. Um, the, when he first uh, got here, Mike Babcock wouldn't put him on the power play and just had him uh, said, you're going to be teaching you to be the shutdown defenseman. And I think Morgan Riley took that to heart, developed a, a much better defensive game. And I think we're seeing the, the fruits of that wisdom from Mike Babcock and they've moved on and played very well and and now of course he's doing very very well offensively and of course as soon as you pile up some points you become a number one defenseman Uh, you don't see the number one defenseman the guy with uh, four assists but really is a big time shutdown defenseman he's never looked at as the guy well yeah that's that's the guy he's the number one guy but as soon as you start getting a lot of recognition for your offense uh, everybody says, well, well, there's a number one defenseman in the league. So that's what Morgan Riley is going through now, and he's enjoying it. Last night, the Flyers looked very slow out there, Joe. They look like a slow team, and there's a few teams in the NHL that are pretty that look slow and are not doing very well. What's wrong with that team? Well, they they turn the puck over, uh, and you're right. They, they, they don't look like they have a great deal of team speed now. Having said that, when the Leafs are on their game and they're skating, they're maybe the quickest team in the National Hockey League. So they're going to make a lot of teams look a little slow. Um, but I, I don't know if their offense – I mean, they've got to grind and, and work the boards and, and try to get zone time and do other things of that nature. But last night, not an awful lot of that went on. And uh, the Leafs, once they got – the big comfortable lead, they just kind of sat back a little bit and really didn't keep the accelerator down to the floor. And the Flyers never responded. I think once they got behind like that, they weren't. Uh, they lost interest as well. So it's up and down for the Flyers. They're, they're a 500 team, and maybe that's where they're going to end up. 
Uh, we're talking to Joe. Joe, we won't keep you much longer. Uh, just a couple of more minutes. Uh, I want to talk about Garrett Sparks. Um, we talked about him just briefly just a few minutes ago. I always thought that one of the keys to the Toronto Maple Leaf season this year was to have Garrett be able to play at a high level, get him into 20 to 25 games, uh, having a team that's confident about Garrett Sparks being their goalie and being able to put him a net, uh, not just on back-to-backs, uh, that they'd actually pick games where, you know, we're putting, we're putting Sparks in net tonight. We've got confidence in him. Um, is that starting to develop with Garrett Sparks? Well, you would think so. I mean, he had a shout-out last night. Were you guys watching the game? <laughs> um, I, I agree with you. I mean, if, uh, if the whole attitude of this organization has been to earn the jersey, and Garrett Sparks couldn't have done anything more than he did a year ago. Best goaltender in the American Hockey League, award winner, uh, Calder Cup champion, um, and so that was the decision that had to be made between Calvin Pickard and, uh, and Curtis McElhinney. And the organization, I think, very wisely said, we have to show the people down there that there is a carrot, and if you work hard and if you uh, produce, well, then the ultimate prize is going to be awarded to you, and that is uh, employment in the National Hockey League with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's what Garrett Sparks earned. Now, once you get here, you've got to, that, that's earning the respect of the organization. You have to earn the respect of the coach. And uh, the first outing for Sparks uh, in Chicago, he got the win, but he was far from great. And I don't know if the coach had much uh, confidence in him as yet. But his, pre- his next outings, and certainly last night, um, he is developing that. Now, will it be more than just back-to-back games? We'll wait and see how Mike Babcock wants to play that. I think he realizes and would hope that he would play a bit more than that to give um, Frederick Anderson a rest. But Frederick Anderson's having a marvelous season, and his statistics back that up. And other goaltenders and other teams kind of play it the same way with back-to-back, so we'll wait and see. But it will, the standings will dictate who plays when and where. It will also uh, depend on where the Leafs hope to finish and where the, the, you know, the playoff matchup might end up being. But I, I think Garrett Sparks, step-by-step, game-by-game, gaining more confidence in himself, and the coach is gaining more confidence in him. And we've been talking to Joe Bowen. Joe, uh, uh, once again, congrats on the honor. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time for us this morning. Uh, we know our, lo- our listeners love listening to you and love your insights. And uh, just conclude this by saying we appreciate it. Thanks so much, Joe. No problem, guys. Always a pleasure. Joe Bowen. Uh, Naz, uh, you know, we, we talked briefly uh, off the air uh, before about Garrett Sparks. Uh, uh, and I think Joe makes a good point. Uh, you know, his last has uh, got off to got off to uh, not the greatest start, but they won the game, which is important against Chicago. But uh, uh, seems to have been uh, seems to have been pretty good lately. Yeah, Garrett Sparks has been solid in that 
He just doesn't. He looks awkward to me. That's as a goalie. But he, as long as he stops the puck, <laughs> Dominic Hasek look awkward too, right? And uh, he stopped the puck. Uh, they don't give style points. It's exactly. all about keeping that little uh, little black uh, little you, you black. You look at uh, Freddie Anderson Square and all that, and you look at. This, uh, Just keep the puck out of the net. That's all, that's all that counts. Anyways, we've got to go to break. When we come back to break, we'll be talking to Professor Hank Neuer, author, journalist. Uh, he's one of the world's experts on hazing, which is uh, a very, very, very important topic. And uh, we look forward to having this discussion. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we received this letter. My marriage is in a rut. Can you help us spice things up? Yes. Get the Gourmet Special. Two medium gourmet pizzas for just $24.99. He loves Canadian bacon, so he'll order a deluxe. She can order the Italian, because she loves the hot Italian sausage. Everyone's happy. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740, downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. On the internet, live video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, author, journalist, professor, uh, world-renowned, uh, I'm talking about Hank Neuer. Uh, Hank, uh, good morning, Professor. Good morning. How are you this morning? Thank you. Prof- um, Professor Neuer, do we have you? Uh, yes, yes. Oh, okay, I, great. I, I, we just had a little, little problem with... Good morning, sir. How are you this morning? Uh, good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us, of course. Uh, uh, we have a topic uh, that uh, is very, very important, and you've been, uh, you've been so much an important part of, of, of uh, writing books, spreading the message of the scourge of hazing. 
And that, of course, as you're aware, Professor, because you've been contacted by various media outlets in the Toronto area, a uh, big story in the Toronto area in the last last couple of weeks has been the incident at St. Michael's College School. Uh, that hits a little close to home for me. Uh, it's very difficult for me to talk about it. Uh, but, Professor Newer, we wanted to give our listeners the benefit of, of your insights and of your expertise uh, and especially when it comes to sports teams. We have this thing that, I'll put it in quotation marks, it's called hazing. Um, and, I, 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 you know, we had that conversation the other day, um, and that got me looking at your material. You've written various books on it. You've quoted everywhere about it. Uh, it's a topic that you personally have been involved in. And I was shocked. I was shocked to find out, should have known better, shocked to find out the extent of it and the brutality of it in a lot of different situations. Uh, Professor, what is hazing and what's going on? Uh, Because people are dying. Young kids are dying uh, because of rituals that we can't seem to eliminate. Please explain. Well, the first part is that uh, I, I can give a definition of hazing, but it is so broad that it makes it very difficult when it gets into a court case. But essentially, hazing involves an, a, an initiation, however perverse, to get into a sports team, a fraternal group, or even into a job such as a chef. And what happens is that the newcomer has to submit to the veteran members uh, in a behavior that is at its most benign silly, at its uh, worst dangerous, often deadly, or pernicious, as in this case. And uh, how rampant is it? Uh, is it is well, it a, is it a U.S. I, phenomenon? Is it is it around the world? When did it start? Where does all this come from? Well, hazing uh, goes back to, uh, in, in terms of, uh, uh, of being written about, to the 4th century. St. Augustine wrote it about a group called the Destroyers were, uh, at a university called Carthage, where he was an undergraduate. And uh, quite typically, he uh, was relieved that the Destroyers left him alone, even as they went after others. Uh, hazing uh, has then been a big part of uh, uh, education in the Middle Ages. The biggest proponent was Martin Luther at Wittenberg, who said that if you can uh, tolerate these indignities here, you will be ready for the bigger and worse challenges the rest of your life. In the United States, hazing came uh, into the colonies from the, the scholars uh, who were in uh, other countries, England, uh, uh, etc., and then very quickly got into the fraternal system. Our deaths in the United States go back to 1838 at the uh, secondary school level, at the uh, college level in terms of fraternities to 1873. So you can see there's a, a very long history of it. And then your last part of your question, how common, we're looking at a big story in the United States this weekend with a broomstick attack mirroring what happened in Toronto uh, at a school, Damascus High School, 
in Maryland, Montgomery uh, County. And what is interesting and different from this case is that the four 15-year-olds are being charged as adults. This is quite uh, serious when you're talking about penalties that could be jail time of 10 to 12 years. And we're talking to Professor Hank Neuer, and uh, we're talking about hazing. And um, I don't want to get into I don't want to get into a criticism of of the institution of St. Michael's College. Something terrible happened there, uh, which it was a very similar incident to what you just described happened in Maryland. And in my research, having you put me on to obviously your book, Hazing, Destroying Young Lives. You put me on to your material. You put me on to uh, looking at some of these things. In, in this particular type of incidents, which I, I, you know, it's, I almost don't like talking about it on the show, but it involves, you know, something sexual assault to a young man. That particular incident is actually not that uncommon. Uh, no, I've read no. I've read all kinds of different instances where the exact same nature of it, and you know we're adults here. I mean, a young man was sodomized with with a, with a broom handle. That wasn't peculiar to what happened in Toronto. Um, you know, I used to think of hazing as being juvenile pranksterism. Um, this is serious. This is criminal. It's sexual. When yep. did this line get crossed from what we used to think happened shaving somebody's hair off his head back in the 1970s to what has become so overtly criminal? Well, the, in terms of being prosecuted, the first that I've ever been able to find was 1982, Nogales, Arizona. Coaches were arrested along with the players, uh, but were later found not guilty. The case was dropped. Uh, and there have been several cases dropped. Uh, you have to understand that the victims are often intimidated to dropping charges, or uh, there's contradictory evidence, or the perpetrators get their stories together. So uh, there was a smattering of incidents in the 1980s in the United States, a really terrible one in New Jersey where I interviewed the young man in Lodi, New Jersey, who ended up quitting school as a result. And that one came very typical in the 80s and 90s. The perpetrators stayed. The victims, getting no satisfaction, no charges, left the school and were regarded as pariahs. There have even been some important court cases with this. This has only reversed, really, the last 15 years where those who have been sodomized, sexually assaulted, or given vast quantities of alcohol have been uh, considered to be the victims uh, in this case by the public, but not at the school where it occurs. Uh, I am not surprised that there have been death threats at St. Michael's or uh, criticism or support for the perpetrators. Uh, This uh, is something that has not changed in Canadian or U.S society at this time and that's why i'm watching this case very carefully because a prestigious elite uh, school with a fantastic reputation such as st michael's is involved here and those are the cases that are watched carefully by the public more than this case uh, in montgomery county baltimore uh, montgomery county maryland that we're just talking about 
for the that occurred uh, and came to light this weekend. Professor, how young do they start at? Uh, what's the youngest age uh, that uh, that has occurred? In terms of, of uh, sexual assault, the victims have been as young as 13 at sports camps. In terms of uh, hazing overall, where I've done the interviews in terms of sports or clubs, uh, it, it was uh, the sixth grade where uh, criminal behavior was, uh, was involved of uh, having... Uh, uh, victims electrocuted where they had to touch a fence and the uh, coach and the uh, players were involved in that one. Uh, Professor, trying to understand you know, uh, Naz and I were, uh, you know, we played we played high school sports together. We played on a high school football team. Uh, we sort of, I, I, you know, obviously we, I, I, Naz, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I don't think we ever got involved where we no, physically assaulted any of our teammates. Uh, there may have been a little bit of pranksterism, uh, but not any any. There was no physical assault of anybody that I remember. I don't think no. that's the nature of who we were, um, but. I'm trying to understand it, Professor, and, you know, when you hear, read about these things, you talk about changing the culture. Uh, it's either the culture of an institution, it's the culture of a society, it's the culture of a fraternity, it's a culture of a group or a club. And, and I wonder, is it all cultural or is it some of it biological? Is there some primeval urge here that human beings are satisfying in carrying out these things? And you made the point, it's not just about men. It's about women as well. Women haze as well, don't they? So is it, uh, going back to the original, the, sorry. They sorry. don't, to, to the extent that men do, not, but, but yes, we can talk about that, but not to the extent that men do. When we're talking, for example, hazing deaths from alcohol, uh, I think it's under 10 with women, but certainly over 210 with men. Uh, and that includes uh, ca- uh, Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, but predominantly uh, the U.S. And, and going back to my original, uh, and I, I, I want to take advantage of, of your insights and your research and the people you've talked to. Um, is this entirely cultural? Is there, is there something that we're wired to we've got this thing to belong to groups, so we have to prove certain things. Is there any of this, this is, in our DNA? This is interesting because there there have been so few hazing researchers out there, but one uh, who was known not only for the hazing but other things uh, actually uh, was someone who observed hazing at McGill when he was there. His name is Lionel Tiger, and he made the uh, claim that he thought this was biological, that it, that probably way back in the caveman times, there were uh, older uh, males putting newcomers through some kind of challenge or disgusting behavior when they were all together in a group. In terms of the uh, behavior, I think what is uh, what can't be argued is uh, a theory by Irving Janus, which says, uh, hazing uh, is groupthink, where people behave in a group in a way they never would behave as individuals. And in case after case, uh, you usually find one or two uh, key perpetrators and the others being too either afraid or too unintelligent 
or simply too enamored of the leaders to object, and they go along with it. Uh, and uh, so the the biological theory, yeah, I've heard, I've heard it. That's been a Lionel Tiger. In terms of the culture, if we're going to change it, let's look at at the uh, at the role models. Uh, uh, hazing at the pro uh, team is considered laughable. Uh, I saw this myself on a magazine assignment. I played for the Montreal Expos in spring training, 1981. <laughs> they had jokes and pranks. They called the uh, showering uh, inferno. I never saw it, but they were always threatening to put gasoline or kerosene on the inside of a shower and lighting it when the rookie was in. And and so between the athletes and the sports writers who glorify this. Uh, that's a big part of the culture that our secondary school and college students are trying to emulate. But instead of the relatively non-criminal behavior that usually goes on, and I I say that usually, uh, the the, uh, students have added these perverse uh, customs of, number one, having god-awful amounts of alcohol, or number two, sexually penetrating uh, a newcomer. How much does social media contribute uh, oh, to the problem? It, and tell us how. It, it, to the problem and to the solution. The uh, uh, Again, I've been following this a long time, really uh, got into uh, what was on the Internet in the 90s because I was uh, freelancing for CompuServe magazine at that time and had a great access. These videos were starting to come in uh, in the 90s, and definitely influenced fraternity members, athletes, uh, and uh, as uh, cell phones uh, became common in every young person's pocket uh, in the 2000s, these sexual assaults were shown more and more. And they were often accompanied by great laughter. I remember one from the University of Washington fraternity, a passed out young man on a couch and some giggly individual with others all watching zipped, unzipped his pants and draped his testicles over the victim's face. And I thought, I'm seeing a, a, a sexual assault here, and all these young people are laughing. It was gone in 24 hours. Uh, and, and, and now with it, however, the uh, positive thing is it's not only the individuals who post these that are looking, but all of society, including the police authorities, uh, educators, who can see these examples become uh, uh, revolted by what they're seeing and move uh, to to take action. And that's why in this case I was a little worried, uh, more than a little worried, when I read that the police wanted people to erase their cell phones uh, because it's pornography. Instead, I would say confiscate them, use it as evidence, and go after those individuals on whatever charges you can get them. Uh, th- that's the one part of this case I've really disagreed with. How rampant is in, in on sports teams, Professor? Uh, it's rampant at in certain places, locker rooms, buses, and at sports camps. And the sports camps, I would say, would be the ones that are most insidious uh, and uh, happen most common uh, in terms of the high-status 
uh, sports teams such as football. Uh, you're seeing a lot of them there. But in uh, locker room, things occur in the shower, uh, and uh, you're wondering how can these things happen at a sports camp? How can they happen in the shower? How can they happen in the locker room with adults supposedly present? So either uh, the coaches are either turning their heads, are ignorant of what their students are doing and knowing, which would be unconscionable, the coaches should know better, uh, or simply the players are getting better at sneaking their activities and are blindsiding their coaches and their principals and their educators. Uh, Professor, you wrote an article uh, um, being critical of sports writers' contributions, uh, not, not obviously direct contributions, but uh, how, they're, how perhaps they... I don't know the right words. It's difficult for me. I'll let you choose your words. But you, uh, you were critical of sports writers in terms of terminology and whatever. Uh, sure, they use. Go ahead, please. As, yeah, they use terms such as good-natured uh, uh, hazing. They use terms uh, such as uh, a time-honored tradition to describe these, uh, and uh, in in effect, they are not acting as journalists. Uh, who should be critical of such behavior or simply reporting the facts. I'm comfortable with either one of those. But instead, they're actually cheering from the press box for abominable behavior. Their uh, uh, argument would be, well, we don't want it to go too far, but they're cheering when uh, football players tie each other up. Uh, They're cheering when a a rookie gets a $40,000 uh, restaurant bill from all of the veterans who were there, or is made to dress up in women's clothing, sending the message that to be a, a male is uh, is something better than being a woman, or uh, that it's something wrong. Uh, is there's a misogynist behavior here when the men have to dress up as women, and that's common with Major League Baseball at pretty much. Uh, all teams that we've seen. We're talking to Professor uh, Hank Neuer, author, journalist, uh, uh, significant uh, uh, work on on the topic of hazing. Um, Professor, is there any acceptable level of hazing, uh, given that it appears that human beings have this need to belong to groups? Is there any level of acceptable hazing? I think in terms of all the work I've done, my first article was published in 1978 following a death at the Nevada Reno, was in my human behavior article to say that educators should kind of monitor it and allow uh, maybe the kind of traditions that we used to see with freshman sophomore hazing, such as wearing a beanie. But now I, I really disagree with that because I've seen so many instances which most of us would consider relatively benign or relatively innocent kinds of hazing get way out of hand because it only takes one idiot in the room to escalate things and already we've had a culture of acceptance uh... so i argue vehemently and against even what i wrote about in nineteen seventy eight to say that no we can't have any of these activities what we can have however, would be group activities that are fun. 
the whole group doing a scavenger hunt, the whole group doing ropes uh, testing or some sort of fun event where the newcomers are not singled out and where the coaches are present, uh, let's say an outward bound kind of activity, because I think uh, athletes and fraternity members and even people in jobs are crying out for some sort of rites of passage. Uh, without, I don't want uh, the baby thrown out with the, the bathwater. Uh, yes, get rid of hazing, but rites of passage are very important. Uh, pranks that do not involve negligence, that's kind of important. Uh, but uh, we can't, no one in society should be saying that penetrating another human being with a broomstick or making someone consume a fifth of Jameson's uh, or Everclear, as happened at LSU with a death two years ago, uh, can be condoned by society. Uh, Professor uh, Professor Neuer, we just have a couple of minutes left. Uh, we could talk about this for hours. Um, and I'll, I'll leave it off with this. Are we making any progress? And how do we make schools and sports teams safer for our youth? We're not making progress, but what we have in the United States would be a uh, solid uh, contingent of over a dozen parents. I was a keynote speaker for them last January uh, in South Carolina who have become very vocal and are uh, raising awareness with their ire and their intelligence about this. But at the same time, uh, I, I monitor the deaths. We've had a death every year from hazing uh, in North America, that includes Canada, from 1959 to 2018. In the United States, a death every year from 1961 uh, to 2018. Uh, lately, in, uh, in seven-year periods, eight out of ten are alcohol-related. At the high school level, the, uh, 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 the surveys show approximately 50% involved in hazing, and uh, as I've been tracking these uh, incidents, more and more of the hazings are, since about 2000 especially, maybe maybe actually about 1998, last 20 years, have been more vicious, more sexual, and more repugnant. Uh, Professor Neuer, uh, I know what it uh, inconvenience that you had to go through to, to to join us this morning because I know how passionate you are, and how important this is to you, and it's an important to us and to our listeners. Um, it's a it's a it's a crucial topic. It's something that isn't going away. It has to be in the public discussion. It has to be part of education and public education. And you've done as much, if not more, than anybody to, uh, to sensitize us and to try and change the culture. We can't thank you enough, Professor Neuer. Well, I can't thank you, too. I know that there are a lot of good people associated with St. Michael's who are addressing this stigma. I, I know that people have lost their positions as a result of it. Um, let's hope that St. Michael's can be a shining example of, uh, of a school that's learned some lessons and helped society. This happened at Alfred University after a well-publicized hazing death in 1978, and Alfred in New York State became a leader in hazing education. It can happen. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank Bye. you, Professor.
And as uh, you know, I didn't. Uh, it's it's a, it's a really sensitive topic for me to discuss when it comes to St. Mike's. Um, you know, we chatted about it earlier this week, and uh, I made a decision. I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk about the specific events that happened at the school. They are the subject of a criminal investigation now. I'm gonna, not going to go stick my nose in the middle of it. Um, and our first concern and our major concern has to be for the victims of hazing. There's a young man uh, that is the victim, and you know we worry about him and the effects on him. Um, we hope we hope that the message gets out that this is intolerable behavior, and in intrinsically we know it's not a, it's not probably not a problem just confined to St. Mike's. Uh, it prob- that's, that's it, for sure. It probably happens yeah. in other places. If there's any good, and it's difficult to find anything, if there's any good that came out of the St. Mike's incident, hopefully, hopefully it will discourage others in the future um, from even thinking about committing such such heinous acts. Um, hopefully that message uh, the trials and tribulations of St. Michael's College School right now, uh, hopefully are a message to everyone else. This has got to stop. Um, Father Thompson and the principal, um, you know, we had Father Thompson in the studio last year. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of what happened there. Um, I know he's a decent man. I've had a few... I've had a few Circumstances to uh, to deal with him, and um, he is a decent man. Um, the school will move forward. It will it will examine itself, and hopefully it will put measures in place. When whatever has to be done, will be done. I'm confident, um, and hopefully it comes out of this stronger and better. With a with, and it will and. People would be proud of the school once again, and its motto is teach me goodness, discipline, and knowledge. Uh, hopefully they go through this, they self-examine, and they put whatever needs to be put in place so this never, ever, ever happens again. And there's a culture of respect between students. My son went to St. Mike's. I had a good discussion with him about it yesterday. This doesn't reflect his experience uh, may have reflected other people's experiences, but it doesn't reflect the experience. There's a lot of good people that, uh, that are at that school now and have gone to that school, and uh, we, we wish them the best, and we hope that this is the last time anything like this will ever happen at St. Mike's or, for that matter, anywhere, anywhere, at any, any high school or to any other young person in, uh, in the province of Ontario in our area. Anyways, Naz, I'll give you the last... Uh, Last word on that. On, on a note, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a tough week for St. Mike's, but I'm, I'm sure they'll progress and uh, make it better for everybody else, and uh, hopefully uh, things will move on and we can get on with life. That's for sure. We'll leave it at that. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week.